airplanes, lots and lots of airplanes. <laughs> <laughs> so whether it's over my cornflakes or over briarflakes, I see airplanes, <laughs> so it's quite okay. <laughs> We're always going somewhere, but anyway. Um, uh, thank you for the opportunity. And I really just want to encourage each and every one of you because just in praying about it and I've often found that when an area in my life when I really feel the Lord's finger pressing on a place, I will start talking to people and it's happening all over. So yeah, the first thing the Lord, I felt the Lord say to me was your journey must not rob you of the awe and wonder of now because life is hectic and life happens. But what is happening now is we are stepping into something that has been ordained yonks ago. And this is our inheritance, the land, the place that we're coming to. And our journey was about, you know, you get your call. And the Lord says to you, you're prophetic, you're apostolic, you are whatever. But then you've got to grow into it. And it was like we've grown from the call to being. And by the time we got to the being, it was quite a journey, but now we're here. So now we can't keep on looking back at the journey. We look now with awe and wonder at what he's doing now so that we can recognize, and I think that's part of why he was saying declutter. Because if we're so busy looking, we're not seeing what he's doing right now. And I found also to encourage you and to say, you are his strategy. Every victory that you have achieved, every breakthrough, every obstacle that you have overcome has changed you. So wherever you go, whoever you meet, you are his strategy for that person. You bring your breakthrough. You bring the victory. You have the word. You have the love. You have the heart to actually share with them. And... Um, Last week when Connor was saying uh, something, you know sometimes when somebody talks and all of a sudden just one word drops into your heart and you're not even quite sure. But he said something to somebody about the, the master has need of you. And it really grabbed my heart. And I thought of the story and I went to read it again and refresh my heart about it. And it was where Jesus said to them, uh, to his disciples, he said, the story starts with this. He said to his two disciples, go, you will find a colt that is tied up. Now, a colt is something that's never been ridden on before. So that's a new thing. So he said, and then just as they ask why you want to untie it, take it away from, break it free, then all you say to them is, the master has need of it, and everything is fine. And it so resonated in my heart and to, it's time to be untethered, to just get rid of all the stuff that tires down because the master has need of us. And every person has a different place that they will go to where the master has need of you. But then he said, and when the disciples got the donkey to him, they put their prayer shawls on the donkey and their garments. So they took everything off, what they were known by people of prayer, what they was recognized by, because in the Old Testament or in those days, they, they had to wear beggar's clothing to show people who they are. And the Pharisees, whatever, they had the clothing, the robe. So when you saw somebody, you knew who they were. And it's like we take those things off. I am a prophet. I am a person of prayer. I am a this. I am a that. I've arrived. And because I'm old, I'm holy. No, we take all of it off and we just say, I put it all on you because now you, Jesus, can sit on that and you will be seen because you are over all those things. And you are changing me that now I walk only in your garments of praise and robes of righteousness to reflect more of you, to show people that they recognize Jesus and I think, wow, this is a gifted person. Wow, this person speaks well. All they hear and see is Jesus. Okay, I'm not sticking to any of my words. I have no idea where I am. <laughs> so, but let's try this side here. 
who am I? <laughs> but anyway, then as the story goes, but what also caught my attention was when he started, he said, Jesus said, said he's sending the two disciples to go and fetch the donkey. In verse, and I'm talking about, I think it's Mark 11, he says in the, at verse 11, it ends, and he says, and he and the 12 apostles went further. So they changed in their journey from disciples to apostles. And we have changed in our journey from being called to prophetic apostolic, to being the knowing, growing, going people that he's called us to be. So we change continuously. And it says there, bring the victory. Bring us the victory in the highest realms of heaven. So whatever we declare, it goes all over. And it's always fascinated me, you know, that a child will only go to certain people. And there's some people it will just not go to because they instinctively know whether it's somebody they would like to know or not. And it's people know who we are. And that's all when they meet you and they talk to you. They must know Jesus in you, but they must know there's something in us that makes us different. And yeah, anyway, where am I? It's time for the har- Okay, and it's time for the harvest, our inheritance. But it was something Grant reminded of. He said that we're not supposed to pray for the harvest. We're supposed to pray for the workers of the harvest to go out. And that word was actually thrust out the laborers into the harvest field. And it's actually squeeze, like you would squeeze a pimple. Squeeze them out, force them out into the harvest because it's time for the harvest to come in. That's gross. (laughs) But you get my point. (laughs) But we have been asked to come to this valley for such a time as this. And even the words we use, we can become so over-familiar with. Yes, for such a time as this. It's truly such a time as this. We are here, and he has given us this valley as our inheritance. And we are his workers. We are the people that will meet the people around us. And we go. We, whether you call to go, we always talk about going to the nations. But you must go, whether it's to your neighbor. And something that really came to my heart is that some people, you are called to minister and go to your family. And it was so on my heart. I don't know how many times it came to my heart. Go to your family. We are to go to our families. Some of them you can talk to. Some of them you love. Some of them you just uh, encourage and you're there for them and whatever. But you just need to go to your families. And I really believe we need to lay down anxieties, fear, and all of those things about our families. He has it all in control. We're so busy juggling those balls that we just totally get, you know, double-eyed vision kind of thing and I'll just drop some, don't, just let the, put those balls down. Just give each one in your family to God, and he will give you a strategy, you, in what to say and how to go to each and every one. We go to um, Hillbrow. We go and minister in Hillbrow. We go to Durban. I mean, they're having a blast down in Durban. All over, just go. The Lord has put nations on our heart. There's people here praying for Egypt. Israel, Tibet, Japan, China, Turkey. If he calls you to go, then that is where you go. And he provides. I'm utterly amazed every time when I go somewhere because I start off with, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. And it's like, wow, it's amazing. And at the moment, we're praying about going to South Korea at the end of March. And when I started speaking to my husband, I have to prep him quite a long time, you know, start dropping things and speaking, and it's not manipulation, it's working on him. (laughs) 
he just looked at me and said, uh, do you know your geography? If you looked on a map, <laughs> have you seen where it is? I said, yes, I noticed that, but anyway, we just go where he tells us to go. And I've just gotten to the place where I just say yes. God, I can't even figure this out. I don't even know what. What I do, what I, I don't even know. All I can say is, yes, Lord, here I am, send me. Let me be that donkey that goes there, that carries Jesus to be at that place at the right time and leave it all to him. The call is us. The strategy is us. And he keeps on saying, enlarge the place of your tent. Enlarge the place of your tent. Enlarge your capacity. So in other words, move things so that more can come in. Enlarge the place of your capacity. The other scripture was Isaiah 61 that I got for that I felt the Lord put on my heart. And it was again the journey. We all know Isaiah 61 where he says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon you. It's been the scripture that is given uh, 24-7 many times. It is something that is imprinted on our hearts. And it's like our call and our journey. And then I felt verse 7, he's speaking of us now in this place. Instead of your former shame, you shall have a twofold recompense. Instead of dishonor and reproach, your people shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double that they had forfeited. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. For I, the Lord, love justice. Verse 11 says, for as surely, for as surely as the earth brings forth its Shoot, and as a garden causes what is sown in it to spring forth, so surely the Lord God will cause righteousness and justice and praise to spring forth before all nations through the self-fulfilling power of his word. He is faithful. He is just. He is for justice. And he will do it. Enlarge our tent pegs, push it out, it is time. We have Holy Spirit praying in us and through us, but there's also Holy Spirit power coming upon us. And that was another scripture that I felt in my heart. Zechariah 12.10 says, And I will pour out upon the house of David, which talks about praise, the place of praise, and upon the inhabitants of Jerusalem, people living in peace. The spirit of grace and unmerited favor and supplication, and they shall look earnestly upon me whom they have pierced, those that don't know him. And I felt such an increase of uh, and power and, and grace and uh, stirring in our hearts for prayer. It was as the spirit of grace and supplication touch our hearts, we can't be the same, because you start looking around you and you start seeing you start inhabiting your land and you have to pull out and root out some bosses and cut down trees and level some places and so on. And then you bring more people in and more people in. But that spirit of grace and supplication, because it's resting upon us, it is resting on the people in this valley. So they start calling out and looking on the one that they have not recognized, the one that they have despised and, and pierced because they don't believe in Jesus. And all of a sudden, they start having dreams. They start having visions of the man in white. They start seeing visions of his hands that have been out there. And all of a sudden, they start crying out to God. And they start looking for a place, where can I learn about this man? Where can I go to hear more about this person? And that I really believe is that that in increase in our capacity for prayer, our capacity for people, our enlargement and our capacity to enlarge our place that we inhabit and to go and just to be and be his strategy in his hands and his feet. Those people will at the same time, the harvest is ready, it is ripe. And as his spirit of grace and supplication touch their lives, they will start coming in and can I pray? And I really just want to pray and ask because there's people, and I honestly believe, you know, we, we use the term called be intercessors. 
And we've also made it something that is perhaps not um, just, yeah, we, we just prayers. And Holy Spirit inside of us stirs us up and brings an intensity in our heart. And Father, I pray this morning that we'll be alive and awake to the time, to the season. Father, that, uh, that the journey will not clutter our now, that we will stand in awe and wonder at who you are and what you are doing in this time and in this place, Father. And I thank you, Holy Spirit, that you are brooding over our hearts, that you are stirring us up, that you are giving us such a heart, Father God, for the lost, such a heart, Father, for prayer. Father, that you increase our, our language for prayer, that, Holy Spirit, that as you groan and you Pray through us that we will have an understanding of the language of the Spirit. Thank you that you open the eyes of our understanding, that we see, Father, what you are doing, that we see and recognize, Father, the time and season wherever we go, whoever we meet, Father, that we will see, Father, their need, and we ask, Father, just to have an, a new, a new stirring up a new fire burning in our bones, a new fire, Father, for nation, a new fire, Father, for the, for the harvest, Father, a new fire for prayer, a new uh, desire, Father, for just spending time with you, Father. And Father, I just ask that you do it in every heart, that you come and we lift our hands and we say, Father, just take whatever... We, is there in our hands, Father, the all of that, Father God, so that we can just receive from you, Father, a fresh outpouring, a fresh stirring in our hearts, Father, a fresh stirring in our hearts, Father God, just a fresh deposit, Father, a fresh fire in our hearts, Father, just for you, Father, and we just thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, and I don't want to belabor any point, but I pray, Father, that with these hearts that are aching, I ask for a grace. I ask for your mercy. I ask for your healing. Father, I pray where hearts have cried out and said, God, I don't see justice. I don't see justice. Father, you say you are a God of justice. And we thank you that you know how to balance the scales, Father. Perfectly, Father. And we thank you for your grace and your supplication pouring out, Father God. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for your open hearts this morning. Thank you for your hunger for Jesus. We love you so much. I feel him asking us, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? Because he has living waters. Fellowship with Jesus is the purpose of every single day. And from that place we live. And just praying into fear. And I just felt mainly two things. And that was beholding Jesus. 
and that he has an invitation to come, for us to come, to be filled with living water. So I just want to start with talking about beholding Jesus. It's not something that you haven't heard before. Others have gone before me and um, have shared with such fire and have unfolded deep mysteries about what it means to behold Jesus. So this morning, I'm just going to bring my fire that it's very real. <laughs> but I just want to share with you that going into 2020, I feel a call that we should be a bride that beholds Jesus. There is a way to see him. And there is a way to behold him where Christianity becomes more about beholding Christ and seeing him rightly than us trying to get it right, having all our ducks in a row. A.W. Tozer says, you can see God from anywhere if your life is set to love and to obey him. Your view of Jesus is crucial there is a way to see him that makes you erupt with passion. And there is a way to see him that makes it wisdom to give him everything. There is a better way to do life. And that better way is beholding Jesus. We went to Hole in the Wall last year with some friends. And um, every day I just heard the whisper. There's a better way. There's a better way. I'm going, yes, God, I'm hearing you. <laughs> there's a better way. Tell me what it is. <laughs> Every day, there's a better way. And the better way is to be beholding and to keep in focus the most clear view of who Jesus is. To cultivate, to make time, to be lost in who he is, to get to where we say, Oh, to have him is to have all. And I quote Eric Gilmore. He just, um, he shared on the Jesus 19 um, conference and it just blew me away. And um, I want to encourage you to just open your hearts to Holy Spirit to show you, to help you, to give you eyes to see Jesus rightly, to behold, to adore, to love on Jesus. Holy Spirit, help us to not hold back our affections where we keep you near but not close. Jesus designed us to behold him. Our very DNA, the way he made us, is to look to him. Are you all okay? Okay. Sorry, this is my first time, and um, it's kind of different to leading worship. <laughs> um, <clears throat> but you know, Jesus doesn't give us step number one, step number two, step number three. <laughs> this is how to behold me. He doesn't do that. Do you know what he does? When we're looking at him, is he reveals himself to you and me, and he exposes himself to you and me when we are beholding him. He's actually the one enabling us to behold him. Doesn't that just blow your minds? <laughs> he enables us to love him. He enables us to say yes. He enables us to lift our arms. He enables us to say, you can have my time, my affection, my surrender, my life, my heart, my strength, and my mind. Leaning on Jesus and depending on the Holy Spirit is crucial. And for those of you who just need some practical 
points on how to do that is it just begins in the secret place with Jesus. Every day, every morning, every evening. Dependency on Holy Spirit. It's just so beautiful. It's so freeing. As you all know, I'm raising twins. They're three years old at the moment. And uh, Levi's seven. And I crave and I long for quiet moments in my house. Telling you if I have two minutes, it's a good day. <laughs> not that the rest of the day is not good. But I've just had to learn through the pain that he is right here with me. I can completely depend on Jesus. He's not far away. He's right here. Beholding him, he's with me right here. And that is everything. You know, I was putting my calendar together for 2020, and I have these stickers from last year, and where it's someone's birthday, I put a sticker that says birthday. So um, I was wondering what sticker to put at, for Ben's birthday, because I've kind of run out of all the stickers, and I didn't really like all of them, and it doesn't really suit, you know, I'm that kind of person. The stickers go to suit <laughs> the person. Okay, so um, I just heard the whisper, Holy Spirit said, that one. And it blew me away. He just said, I like that sticker. And I wasn't even aware of it. I was like, okay, I'm going to spend time with Jesus Monday morning, 10 to 11. Wednesday night, 9 to 10. <laughs> you know, it just, it broke open something. That dependency on Holy Spirit and leaning hard on Jesus. Hard. Lean hard into him. He wants us to do that. It just means everything to him. And then the invitation that I feel God is calling us into for this year, and not just this year, it's every day and into eternity, is to a call to partake. And it's a divine call to drink from the waters of life. So this morning, I want to ask you, do you have the waters of life? Are you drinking? Are you thirsty? Jesus was at a wedding feast in John 7. He was at a wedding feast, the feast, I mean, sorry, not a wedding feast, the Feast of Tabernacles. And all the guests are there. And on the last day of the feast, Jesus addresses the crowd and he says, all those who are thirsty, come to me, I have living waters for you. The last day of the feast, okay, so on the first day, they're eating and drinking. On the second day, they're partying. On the third day, they're eating and drinking. So imagine a crowd that is thriving. They are having a blast. They are so happy. And Jesus says, on the last day, is anyone thirsty? Come to me, I have living waters. You see, Jesus saw our spiritual need for water. He saw our spiritual need for water. And with this, with this crowd, he saw their spiritual need of water when they were feasting and thriving. How much more when we are not feasting. Shall we go to John 4? I'm going to read out the Passion Translation. You all know the story very well. Um, I'm going to read from um, verse 5. Jesus arrived at the Samaritan village of Sakar, near the field that Jacob had given to his son Joseph long ago. Wearied by his long journey, he sat on the edge of Jacob's well. He sent his disciples into the village to buy food, for it was already afternoon. Soon a Samaritan woman came to draw water. Jesus said to her, give me a drink of water. Surprised, she said, 
why would a Jewish man ask a Samaritan woman for a drink of water? Jesus replied, if you only knew who I am and the gift that God wants to give you, you'd ask me for a drink and I would give to you living water. The woman replied, but sir, you don't even have a bucket and the swell is so deep. So where do you find this living water? Do you really think that you are greater than our ancestor Jacob, who dug this well and drank from it himself, along with his children and livestock? And Jesus answered, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again. And again, and again, and again. But if anyone drinks the living water I give them, they will never thirst again and will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit, springing up and flooding you with endless life. The woman replied, let me drink that water so I'll never be thirsty again and won't have to come back here to draw water. Jesus said, go get your husband and bring him back here. But I'm not married, the woman answered. That's true, Jesus said, for you've been married five times and now you're living with a man who is not your husband. You have told the truth. The woman said, you must be a prophet, so tell me this. Why do our father worship God here on this nearby mountain, but your people teach that Jerusalem is the place where we must worship, which is right? Jesus responded, believe me, dear woman, the time has come when you won't worship the father on a mountain or in Jerusalem, but in your hearts. Your people don't really know the one they worship. We Jews worship out of our experience, for it's from the Jews that salvation is made available. From here on, worshiping the Father will not be a matter of the right place, but with the right heart. For God is spirit, and he longs to, to have sincere worshipers who worship and adore him in the realm of the spirit and truth. The woman said, this is also confusing, but I do know that the anointed one is coming, the true Messiah. And when he comes, he will tell us everything we need to know. And then Jesus said to her, you don't have to wait any longer. The anointed one is here speaking to you. I'm the one you're looking for. At that moment, the disciples returned and were stunned to see Jesus speaking with the Samaritan woman. Yet none of them dared to ask him why or what they were discussing. All at once, the woman dropped her water jar and ran off to her village and told everyone, come and meet a man at the well who told me everything I've ever done. He could be the anointed one we've been waiting for. Hearing this, the people came streaming out of the village to see Jesus. See, what Jesus was actually telling her is I see you are thirsty from all the things that are happening in your life. I will give you something that will cancel all of these other stimulants in your life, and you will never thirst for them again if you drink from me. Jesus is saying that I will cause every other well to go dry because I will give you a drink that will satisfy you in ways nothing else can. He alone is enough. Do we know that he alone is enough? How we respond to Jesus is so crucial. The Samaritan's response was so beautiful. I mean, imagine running to someone and saying, I met this guy and he told me all the wrong things I've done in my life. Come meet him. <laughs> I mean, that's crazy. I, I wouldn't do that. <laughs> but, um, you know, when Jesus does that, we don't feel guilt or shame. He loved her so well, even in that conversation. Like Crystal was saying earlier, like people would just know and yes, Jesus. Another invitation to us in Revelations twenty two. 
Genesis 1, John writes about the river of the water of life. I'm not going to read that now, but you can go read about that. That's also in Ezekiel 47. It speaks about the river that gives life wherever it goes. It's a picture of us bringing life wherever we go. But what I want to focus on now is just verse 17. I'm also reading from the Passion Translation. It says, Come, says the Holy Spirit and the bride in divine duet. Let everyone who hears this duet join them in saying, Come. Let everyone gripped with spiritual thirst say, Come. And let everyone who craves the gift of living water come and drink it freely. It is my gift to you. Come. And here, it's not just Jesus that is crying out, come, have living waters. It's the Holy Spirit and the bride. Come, let everyone gripped with spiritual thirst say, come. And let everyone who craves the gift of living water come and drink it freely. It is my gift to you, come. Are you thirsty? Do you want living water? You know how beautiful it is? It's a free gift. It's absolutely free. And during this week, I was just um, reading uh, John 2. I love John. Just been inside John. But um, in John 2, um, there's a story, and you know it well, Jesus turns water into wine. And it was a custom to follow, and a certain protocol in that day, where you have to serve the best wine first, and then you have the house wine. And as you know, um, they ran out of wine, and Jesus' mother comes to Jesus and says, please do something, we've run out of wine. And um, Jesus, as you know, tells the servants to fill six stone jars with water. And after they've completed filling the jars, they take some of the water to the master of the banquet, and he tastes the water. But it's not water, it's wine. And in that, Jesus breaks the religious custom of having the best wine first and then the last wine, the house wine. He breaks their custom and gives them the best wine. I ask Holy Spirit to tell me more about what he's trying to say. And um, I was drawn to the six stone jars, the vessels. And his instruction to the servants was to fill them with water. But not just fill them like here yeah, a little bit, because they were heavy. They, um, they could hold 75 to 115 liters. So if you think, I don't know who loves wine, yeah? Um, but it's about 600 to 900, 920 bottles of wine. Okay? That, so imagine 920 <laughs> bottles of wine. So these guys have a big job, okay? It's not just, oh, I'm going to take it, fill it with water, bring it back. Here you go, Jesus. It's hard work. Anyway, they do it. And Jesus says, take a cup and give it to the master of the banquet. And there's wine. But what I feel God is saying, we are like that vessels holding the treasure, holding the water, holding Holy Spirit within us. We have a responsibility to keep going to the water, to keep drinking, to stay thirsty, to keep full. Are you getting what I'm saying? Be continually filled to the brim, to overflowing. Be filled with Christ, who is the water of life.
thirsty, only when we are full can we begin to overflow and pour out. And it's not a once-off, okay, I'm going to meet Jesus just this once, and then I'm full. The key or the secret is continually drinking, continually being filled. Christ is the water of life, and the Holy Spirit is the living water. I just want to end with reading... Um, John 7, 37, it says, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from within him. By this he meant the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. How much more now when we have Holy Spirit? We can just drink from Holy Spirit. I feel a call upon the bride to open her heart, to behold Jesus with all of her affection. And I feel a call prophetically that we will see him rightly. And I feel a call for 24-7 to be people who have living water. And that we will respond. Because I can share all this with you and it's wonderful, but you need to respond. Also, that we'll be a church who leans on Jesus and depends on the Holy Spirit. When we know how much we need Him, that we would steward our thirst for Jesus rather than stewarding everything that fills our lives and our to do lists. How do we steward our thirst for Jesus? Also, and just wanting to share, I feel like God is calling you or us to surround ourselves with people that will help you to finish strong. Surround yourself with people who will help you finish the race strong. Even if it takes some hard conversations. But surround yourself with people who will encourage you to drink from Jesus will encourage you to worship, will encourage you and say, you can't do that, Saul. You can't do that, Ben. Completely dependent on the Holy Spirit. He wants us to finish strong. I think that's it. (laughs) Can I pray? Holy Spirit, will you come and breathe on us and upon our lives? Breath of God, will you breathe upon our thirst for you? Will you enable us to respond to you? We thirsty for your living waters. Come and do what only you can do. Come and do the work that we're longing for in our lives. You're so beautiful, Lord. You're so worthy. Thank you for what you're calling us into for this year and also in our everyday. Thank you that you're calling people into their very own families and you're also calling people into the nations. Thank you, Lord, that you're calling people to this house. 
Lord, will you enable us to behold you all of our days, to have fellowship with you every single day, and to always be drinking and always be full. Thank you for this free gift, Lord. Thank you that you gave your life. You gave everything so that we can have this, and we just honor you. You're so worthy. We love you so much, Jesus. If there's anyone who wants to respond, who's here and they're really thirsty, I just want you to lift up your hands. I'm just going to pray with that his living waters will come and fill you. We give you all of our affections, Lord, all of our hearts, all of our lives. Just begin to tell Jesus and ask him for his living water. Begin to tell him how much you love him and how you feel and I just see Holy Spirit coming and resting on people. I see him resting upon us. I see him pouring out his spirit, his living waters. Come and fill us again, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. I am. Um, I normally am so used to getting the prophetic to minister, and then I normally have to explain what was just said, because sometimes I don't get it either. But um, Krista and Sal have, I think, spoken so beautifully and clearly. I think we got it right. Uh, I'm just feeling the weightiness of of the mandate of God that. Um, we've positioned ourselves as a church in a journey right now where we are apostolic prophetic, that we are about to embark on going out and reaching out and ministering and doing amazing and wonderful things that God's called us to do. And there's just this huge call of us in, in going and doing. And then there's just, I'm just so aware of what Sal shared, that there's also this incredible weightiness of beholding Jesus, of staying full, of drinking from Him, that's just as vital and a necessary requirement to go as well, because otherwise what happens is the danger is we will get uh, tired and it'll become works and doing a whole bunch of stuff. Amen? I just feel like the prophetic calls us working together, two hands just linking arms together and what He's trying to tell us here this morning. And I think I've had this on my heart for a while now. I just think he's wanting us to to come back to that place of just honoring and val valuing his word when he speaks. Because his word isn't just the Bible. It's also every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And he gives his prophets and his pr prophetic people words to speak to us that we can listen and that we can take it in and we can go and do. Amen. I woke up this morning with James 1.22. I don't know if any of you are familiar with James 1.22. It says, uh, uh, don't uh, just be hearers, but be doers of the word, lest you deceive yourself. I felt like the Lord just stirring in my heart as a people 24-7. We've heard the word a lot. Um, don't just be hearers, but be doers now, lest we deceive ourselves uh, into thinking that we're so something that we're not or to allow the word to, to take root. Because Connor shared something last week that just it, it sat with me the whole week and I just said, Holy Spirit, just get it into me. And it was about that seed being sown on, on ground that's is very shallow. 
and it springs up very quickly. Um, but then when the persecution comes, it gets um, choked and strangled, and, and, and it's because of the Word's sake. And I believe as 24-7 that God has sown an incredible Word over us as a congregation for such a time as this. But we need depth. We need roots. We need to behold Jesus. We need to have the living waters. Otherwise, it'll spring up very quickly. So what happens is when it springs up very quickly in our lives, it's like, yeah, that's really good. But if it's not rooted down, so it's, we mustn't be so quick to run off with stuff that's said. Let it take root in our lives because then when it does bear forth fruit, it bears forth fruit well. Amen? I want to encourage everyone if there's nothing worse in the kingdom having people who have taken the word and want to go off and regurgitate the word, but it's not taken root in their own hearts and in their own lives. Their lives have got to portray Christ. Our lives have to portray Christ. We have to be beholding Him. We have to be a people that have are filled with living waters. Amen? Otherwise, we sit there uh, being able to teach a word, but our lives are a mess. Amen? We're not attracting people to a whole bunch of, of words. We're attracting people to a lifestyle. We're attracting people to a family, people where we do love one another. If my life is a mess, my family's a mess, my marriage is a mess, everything's a mess, but hey, I can quote the scriptures. Friends, it doesn't work. Amen. So there's got to be this both. And the mandate right now is for us to be going, to be reaching out and beginning to, and in order to do that, we've got to be beholding, we've got to be drinking. Amen. So we want, we want to see that being established in 24-7. I really feel, even with the next week when we just pray over the leadership, I really feel that God is wanting to broaden 24-7's leadership base. You're all actually leaders. You just don't know it. We're just going to get you there. Um, but it's to broaden every single one of us to carry this incredible mandate that he's given us because he's speaking now. He's laying nations on people's hearts. He might be laying, laying some nations on your hearts. You might have something on your heart. And you're going, but I'm just, uh, I, just, I want to just stay home and do this. Who knows what God wants to do? Yes, we do what we're called to do, and God honors that. We're all called to do different things, but there's nations that are being birthed, and we need people now to rise up. I, I was sharing with Krista, it comes to mind, Krista, I hope you don't mind, but I was saying with Krista, here we have a powerhouse warrior who's a prayer warrior, who loves the nations, who's gone to many nations, who has incredible wealth. She can continue to do that, and there's a handful of amazing ladies that go with her often to all the different nations, and in five years' time, we, there'll still be Krista and those four or five people that will um, be going to the nations and, 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 and having this weightiness of praying and all. But how about as a whole church, we say, right, let's get around Krista. I've also got that heart in my life. And speak into my heart. Teach me. Train me. Help me. Let's, because I've had Fuffy's Fontaine, whatever, in my heart all these years. And, um, and I just, I, but I don't know, how do you get to Fuffy's Fontaine? How, how do you do this thing? And how do you how do you pray? It's better than squeezing a pimple. No. No, because there are places, friends, that God's calling us to right now that are foofy. I mean, know that. And, and, and I can't do it alone. Amen. We can't do it alone. So we sit there and we go, oh, look, I'll just pray for Fuffy's Fontaine. You know, and, but yeah, and so it's for me, it's now... Imagine by the end of the year, there are, and I'm, I'm not, I'm just, imagine if there are 20 Christas. Oh, God have mercy on, no. You know what I'm talking about, not a, the heart, the heart. Imagine if, I just love that, imagine that there's just so many people that you get a turn once every six months to, to worship or do how many know that, that God is, is bigger than these little uh, groups on a Sunday? Or How many know He's just wanting to use every single one of us as powerfully all the time? And He's wanting to just, He's wanting to broaden that this whole team here, any one of you will be able to preach and teach the Word and wanting you to, if you've got musical talent or, how many know we just want to be biblical? We just want to do the Bible these days. Amen? How many know, do you know that, 
in the Bible, they didn't gather around a whole bunch of musicians on a stage. You know what they did gather around? Why do we have this beautiful... Because it helps us to love Him and to worship Him. But friends, the point was to gather around His presence. Just as much when a person stands up here, you're gathering around His presence. And we are meant to tremble at this word. Psalm 138 verse 2 says that He raises His word above His name. You know, God's not so interested in His reputation as He is interested in His word. To honor His word. And then we tremble at His word, what He actually says. Imagine, you know, coming here every single Sunday, listening to Grant say something again, or, or other people just say something. Friends, it's powerful. Because I want to take that word, and I want it to become life inside me. I want it to change me. Why? Because I don't want you to just grab hold of it and go out there now and be able to regurgitate it to somebody if it hasn't changed my life. I don't want to sell you something that I haven't actually bought myself. I want my marriage, my kids, my family, my life to portray what this says. So when I speak to you, you can look over my shoulder and you can see something. That's called the church. Amen? They actually, they're people that actually believe this, ate this, realize this is what they're called to. That's why, and I'm just last little thing. That's why when Jesus said, listen, I want you to bring leaders in your church. Guess what the requirements are for a leader? So when we get these people up and we begin to look at them, whatever, and go like, I don't even know what that guy does. I mean, really, he, I haven't seen him preach. I don't, he doesn't play, does he play an instrument? No, I don't know. But what's his life like? What's his character like? What's his family like? What's, what's the journey? Because that's the requirement. Why? Because that's what God's wanting us to be. A people that have a demonstration of a life that's yielded to him a demonstration of a life that beholds Him, that's drinking from Him. And then, not only is our life that now, He gives us the privilege and He says, now I want you to take that. And I want you to go into that place and that place and that place where you can deposit this living water and this life. Amen. So there's, a, there's an urgency, church, for us to become active. There's an urgency that we could continue to keep getting this word and to be deceive ourselves into thinking we're strong or we're good. And the, the reality is, friends, we don't want to be a people that the Bible says go look in the mirror and then go away and forget what we look like. I like to know exactly what I look like and not forget what I look like and know that I need some little bit of adjustment. And I'm saying to us as a church, all God's asking us right now, prophetically looking at over 2020s, is to honestly look at our hearts as they, both ladies have prayed, this word requires a response. We don't just want to be hearers. We want to be doers of the word. The Bible says if you're a doer of the word, you build your house on solid ground, on a rock. And then when the storms come, friends, the storms are going to come. Whether it's the coronavirus or any other storm, friends, it does want to come. It's a word. Any word has to bow to the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. But I've got to believe that I've got to be filled with living waters that I can address the living word. Amen? I can release the living word, which will overpower any other word. I've got to have this word in my heart and in my life. But God's not wanting me to sit on it. I mean, no, He's mobilizing us. He's saying, let's get out there. So I'm encouraging every single one of you. And I believe with the leadership team that we're going to pray over next week, I believe that this church is going to grow very fast in being mobilized. Um, in whatever area. So whatever you're sitting with today, because I do want to pray. I want to pray for every single one of us. I want to say, what's burning in your heart? What has God placed in your heart? What do you want to do? It is for now. It's for, for 2020. It's for this year that God is speaking it. And he, he doesn't want you just to go run out there and just do that. I would love every single one of you uh, to all have your own home groups and to suddenly be ministering to a whole bunch of people. But my heart is also, I don't want you just to tell a whole bunch of people about a whole bunch of stuff. I also want you to be beholding Jesus in your times, uh, allowing the living waters to come so that your life is a reflection. Your life is a, is a deposit. Your life is a living example of Christ. That means my husband or my wife and my kids, whatever, they display who I am. 
And I don't mean just in short bursts. Listen, I've had, we've all got kids. I know I've had kids that have been rebellious. Um, that doesn't, just because your kid is rebellious, please don't, that doesn't mean you're a bad father. Because God has plenty of rebellious kids. And he's the best father in the world. I just mean there are seasons when your kids might be rebellious. But your household has run well. That's what the Bible's really talking about. We're not after the things. Things haven't captured our minds that, that are not Jesus. Amen. So our lives begin to represent him, and then um, we demonstrate that. Amen. Um, hi. I, I just received, um, sorry, I'm shaking because my blood is is enthusiastic to share this little bit that I felt the whole time in um, while you were talking, is in the beginning of this year, I was at another service, and the pastor spoke about the number 20 and the relevance it has in the Bible, and 20 is the number of expectancy. This year, we're sitting in 2020, which is double expectancy, so the word of encouragement I felt towards what you said in Isaiah 61 is, and I'll read it again, instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, which is 2020. And instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. And I felt that that tied in so well with our 2020 vision and what you are both sharing and shared. And I just felt the Lord say, please share this with the church as a part of encouragement for now, for all of us, and for the leadership going forward. So, so shall we stand? We're just going to pray over ourselves. Um, <laughs> because that's just such an encouragement. It's just a, an expectation, a real expectation in our hearts for, for 2020, double portion, just double of what God is. I love, I, I feel like it's like two things that are just being morphed into one. It's, we may have done one thing right, and that's it. Maybe we've just sat at the feet of Jesus, and we've just been beholding Him, and, oh, I just love Jesus. I don't love the church. I, just, I love Jesus, and um, I just, I just want to be with Jesus, and Maybe we've done that well. Others may have just said, I just want to go out. I'm just going to go out there and do a whole bunch of stuff. And, uh, and they're out there doing a whole bunch of stuff, but their life's a mess. God's morphing them together, 2020, <laughs> double portion. A life, an exuberant, filled, Christ-filled life. And we're out there uh, ministering the gospel. Amen. Just doing what Jesus called us to do. Just being a demonstration of His love. And I want to encourage you, when I say that, I don't mean you have to go to South Korea. You can go to your neighbor who's next door, but I pray about South Korea, though. Um, amen? Uh, it's a lot closer to the hotspot. Uh, <laughs> or to China, for that matter. No. Whatever God says. But I just want to pray over us because I believe God's stirring our hearts, and I believe God wants... Because we're a family, and I just, I just feel like this is an important word um, right now. For what is God saying over our lives? I feel like He wants us to now uh, respond. And so I'm just praying over every single one of us here this morning, Lord God. I, I, I know this word requires a response. I know that Krista and uh, Celeste have prayed already. Um, but I just, as the father of the house, just want to say, Lord God, that I am, I am so grateful that I was born for such a time as this. I'm so grateful to be the father of this house. I'm so grateful for the family and the children that you have given me, Lord God, in this house. And I know we were born for such a time as this, Lord God, because that's the word that you've been speaking over and over again and how Jane, they went down to Durban for such a time as this. It was an appointed time and that she could as a mom take her kids with her. And I don't mean my biological family, I mean the family of God, the eternal children that will be there for eternity as, as kids of the Father and, and, uh, and to hear them speak and declare until I come into their divine appointed moment in Durban. It's just enlarged, Jane, and it's enlarged me, Lord God, to say that you have divine appointments, church. You were born for this. There are divine appointments and moments right now waiting for you. And um, God's stirring on your heart. Say, maybe nations. Maybe you going off to a nation. You might never have been outside of South Africa or been somewhere on a mission uh, for God, for the kingdom. But, but God may be stirring that. Or it might just be for you to step across the 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 wall between you and your neighbor and invite them for supper or maybe just or across the street or it just might be across the city but God's wanting you to mobilize you right now to 
because you are a people that are called by His name. You are a people that have been set apart for such a time. You are a people that have been anointed by God. You are people that have been filled with living waters. Because you have the Spirit of God inside of you. And you have everything that you need. And so I pray of us today, Lord God, that we would not be a people that would deceive ourselves, not be a people that would want to just shoot up very quickly, but, but want to want to take root, want our, the seed to take root, the Word of God to be rooted in us. And maybe it's, it takes a little while to blossom, but when it blossoms, it blossoms strong. And I want the Word of God to blossom strong in this church and in my life, Lord God, in our lives. I want us not to be choked, Lord God. I want us not for when tribulation and persecution comes, Lord God, for the Word's sake. It's going to come because it's the Word's been spoken. Today, because of this Word that's been spoken, persecution and tribulation will come for the Word's sake. But it will not be able to rob and steal from us, Lord God, because we will have placed it and rooted it deep within our hearts. That, Lord God, right now we are facing many cares. We are facing many distractions, many things. Even the deceitfulness of riches, that if only we had the money, if only we had this, we only had that, then this would change or that would change. But God, when we're rooted in you, Father, Lord God, that nothing stops you. Not an economy, not my bank account, not anything. That you are the God who is more than enough. You are the all-sufficient one, the El Shaddai, the Elohim. You're the one, Lord God, that wants to do it in and through our lives. And so we put up our hands and say, speak to me. I respond this morning and say, God, here am I. Speak to me. What are you saying? What are you wanting to do? It's time. I no longer want to just be a person who sits on a seat, but I want to be a person who's called by your name, who's set apart for you, and who's doing that which you have spoken in and through my life. Become the living word. Become active, Lord, in my heart and in my life. Thank you, Father, that this, from this moment on, Lord God, you're mobilizing every single one of us in a beautiful way. And we're going to see things begin to come to fruition, Lord God, as we join together, Lord. It's a year where God is causing, wanting us to pray. Not just a prayer that's just words, but a prayer that's active. A prayer that's intercession, that's vibrant, that carries carries the heart, the compassion of God, a, a prayer that has to go to deliver this beautiful message into people's lives. So Father, thank you for all that you've done this morning, all that you are doing. Uh, as the Father, Lord God, I just pray over every single person right now and ask Holy Spirit that you would touch every head right now and release your anointing. Just release that which you want to impart, the mantles and the callings of every person here. That it is time and it is now. And that God is with you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, that which we cannot do, will you do it, Holy Spirit? We will never be the same again.